Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Village Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. I have a word to preach or whatever, and there's every now and then I get like a, a certain message, and um, and it feels like everything, like I read the text or whatever and stuff, and then I start just moving around in life, and it's like God just starts making it alive around me, right? And so it starts just coming alive, and this has been one that just has not stopped or whatever, but, and, um, and, and it, it just feels like there's been so much warfare with it, whatever. We had COVID, then we had a sinus infection, then I woke up the other day, my foot moved, and I went to the doctor and it was like, it was gout. I've never had gout in my life. I'm like, I was like, what in the world is that? Whatever, but you know, two shots to the butt, whatever, and I was walking three hours. And I was like, that was pretty amazing because I literally could not touch it. I'm um, sorry for that visual. <laughs> I need y'all to give me patience to work through what I'm about to talk to you about, all right? Um, I don't have a slick flyway to say what I'm gonna need to say or whatever, and my heart is just like, it's a lot, right? So I'm gonna story you to death, and then I'm going to the text, and I'm gonna need to stop and rave a little bit as I work through, right? Um, so y'all with that? Yes. Let me read the text to you. We're in First John three. Um, we're in verse three, which was on the tail end of our last text um, before uh, Cecil preached. Um, but I put it on this one, and now we're going four through verse ten. So I'm gonna read verse three through verse ten for you, right? It says. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know, I had to sniff it because I know when people pass to start talking about sin and lawlessness, I just got everybody's attention. Everybody's like, oh, God. <laughs> Y'all pay attention now. All right. And so then he says, he says, uh, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practice, practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. I know y'all nervous now. I know nicely the pastors are like, oh, Lord. I'm like, relax, we're going to work through this. All right? John, right, just for context, as we walk through the whole entire deal so far, what he's been doing, there were people who were really sitting amongst the, the, the fellowship of believers, and they were not really believers. And they started stirring up stuff. They started coming with all kind of anti-Christ stuff. They started debating Christ, debating, um, excuse me, debating sin, all these different things or whatever, right? And John is like, yo, they're playing another game. And he's drawing this line. He's like, they are not one of us. And he's now, he's trying to give the believers that are in front of him the power to be able to distinguish what's what. Who's who. How they are to walk and how to spot people like, yo, we're not on the same thing. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Right? He's, he's trying to make them, help them put that in place. It's important, right? You got to make distinctions. So let me talk to you a little bit, how I landed, where I landed, right? I'm going to talk fast whatever because it's a lot. So I use this word and I use it loosely. So um, I've been using this, you know, so I've been, I, I've, I've even said for our church, we're in a process of deconstruction. People hate the word because it's been politicized now, right? So depend, depending on what culture you roll with, you don't know what the word means, right? You're like, oh my God, we deconstruct. We're not talking about deconstructing Jesus. I'm talking about American Christianity, nationalism, politicizing Christ, all of the mess that goes with it. Stuff that I sat in church and just was not aware of what's happening. Or because we all live with Jesus, we good. So you know what? Deconstructing some of that, making some distinctions about it, right? And as I've been doing that, it's been happening for a minute. 
I just keep getting smacked and reminded how serious the work is, right? So let me just take you on a journey. So I'm sitting in a coffee shop the other day, and I see this kid or whatever stuff. He comes in or whatever. He's like a big cross tattoo. He has the one with six tattoo on his arm, whatever, from Reach Records. You know the prayer. You know the prayer. Right? All right? Right? So he has the tattoo and everything, whatever. And so, so I'm like, okay. So when I get ready to leave, I was like, yo, son, let me just snack it up. We start talking. And then he goes, he's like, yeah, man. You know, I'm like, yeah, you, you know, we're, we're talking about the prayer and stuff. He's like, yeah, but you know, I'm really messing with you, kind of switched up, whatever. And I'm like, thinking, I'm like, switched up how? Did he talk, start talking about racism in America? So you just seen his video the other day where he just talked about how serious he was about the gospel, following Jesus, but had to leave some things behind. So in that moment, it kind of hit me. I'm like, that's that thing. Because I've learned to stop running up on people because they got a, you know, a Psalms, you know, 13 sticker on their car or whatever. I'm like, because all the time I'm like, what? Oh, you are not the same. It's time to go. I'm just, I'm just trying to learn some awareness, right? So it hit me or whatever, I leave up out of there or whatever, and I go to this meeting with all these other pastors or whatever. Never been in this meeting, I know some of the guys in this room or whatever, and I find myself staying out of some of these rooms too, because I end up having to tolerate a bunch of hyper-political crap statements or whatever, and I'm just like, I don't got time. I have kids in the jail to go see you, other people to go see So be really wise with my time, I try to be. But you know, these guys did something very generous for me or whatever and stuff, so I'm like, let me, let me go over here or whatever, right? So I roll up in the meeting, well, we're in the meeting, they, they're like, hey, you know, everybody talk about a book you've been reading or whatever, or like, just bring up a book. So I'm sitting there, God bring, you know, everybody goes around and say the book I've been reading and everything else. The one guy pulls up a book from an author who I actually know who he is or whatever. And I know, I know the whole context of the book. And it's so hyper-political, nationalistic that even this guy's camp, that he comes out, his gospel camp, was like, homie, what are you doing? But he's like, yeah, man, you know, I would and the guy, the pastor goes, I wouldn't suggest the book, man, but I really, I really love it. I'm like, you wouldn't suggest it because you know it's some bullcrap, right? So he goes. Next guy goes, and he comes up, and he goes, and he goes, yeah, you know, read this book about critical theory or whatever, and this and that, because we got to know how to keep our, our, our kids safe or whatever, and this and that. I know exactly what he means when he says that, right? I don't agree with what he's saying, but I know who's driving the conversation and the definition of the word, right? So what I start doing is pull out my little book and I start writing. Because guess what? I got a counseling session with my therapist right after this. And I done learned when it starts to burn, I just write it down so I'm not a character. You know what I'm saying? And so me and Mama, we'd be in an argument or whatever. I'd be like, you know, and we'd be like, yo, write yours down. Write down. <laughs> it helps, because we just like, forget it. Then we'd be like, I'm like, what did you say? I'm like, uh-huh. I never told you, I just told you that. You know? So it's helpful. I'm so grateful for it. So, but I started writing. I said, here's the epiphany I want you to catch. In the moment, I'm thinking to myself, we're, we're discipling two different kinds of people. We're actually making disciples that will ultimately end up being enemies. See the purpose and the need for distinction? To, to, how, how is that so? And here's the thing. The thing that we came together around is Jesus. You get with people outside this church start talking how Jesus is problematic? Because they're saying, y'all have not made any distinctions. And you don't know what your left arm and your right arm is doing, right? So it's like, no, you say, no, we're about this right here. But you ain't stepping your people over here that aren't about that, right? But we all kind of just praising together and like high on Jesus, but not having any real conversations. Y'all throw a rock at me once. I'm not going to lay it out there whatever, right? So I sat in me and I just watched it. But I actually, you know, I wrote down what I needed to write down and I tucked it to the side. And I actually enjoyed the meeting. Some of the guys had some real struggles or whatever, things in life, things that they were helpful to me about. I prayed with them about it and everything else or whatever, right? Because just in, in a newer, healthier me, I didn't carry any kind of anguish in it, but I wrote down what it was, right? Because I can get along doesn't mean that I don't need to distinguish. Y'all with me so far? Yes. So I go to my counselor. I go to my counselor and I tell him about it. And express it to him, he goes, 
goes, Jay, this is something, this is a note for y'all to take too, right? This is very helpful for me. He goes, Jay goes, you know what a lot of people don't do? He goes, they don't, they don't actually um, take stock of their healthy fears, right? And then they turn to negative fears, right? So you just, you, you just, you have, he goes, there's something you're really concerned about in that room that triggered you. And it may not be an unhealthy thing. What you may have saw was unhealthy, but your feeling is not unhealthy unless you do something unhealthy with it. So he goes, what are you worried about? So can I tell you all the things I was worried about? Yeah. I said, my soul is always on fire with the evil of racism, racial bias, the arrogance that seems to always accompany it, accompany it and the spiritual war I must engage to let my love and soul not grow cold with hatred. Furious, right? They're just going along with it. My soul is on fire. It's one of my problems, right? My life is formed, made, and sustained by God through Jesus, His gospel, and His word. And I am utterly offended at shameful deeds done in His name. So this is me trying to work through to tell my counselor like what what's really happening, right? I'm. This is not Christ-like. This circumstance is not Christ-like, right? And I'm not saying this to make a monster. I'm just saying what my fears in the moment is, right? Give me a moment. So I set my feelings aside in the meeting. And I actually ended up enjoying the company. I want to be angry, but I left, I left even a little bit grieved that I have to separate from them, right? But my counselor, what he helped me with so much because when he had me work through the fears, he really gave me a way to respond. Because separation isn't always the, the thing that needs to happen. Some responsibilities happen first, right? And it, and it came to me when he was saying, I'm saying, I could have just expressed, hey, fellas, you know what I realized based on what you're reading and what we're both talking about? We're talking about two things going in different angles. We probably need to really, really sit down and talk because we're making two different kind of disciples, bro. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I could have said that, and I didn't have no problem saying it. I just didn't say it, know how to say it until my counselor walked me through it. And depending on how they would respond to that, a distinction has to be made, right? If God would like me to go on the journey with them and work through that, then we'll do that or whatever. But if not, it just says what it is. But I have, we have to have a distinction, right? Because it's, it, it's, we're living in the problem. We're living in the effect of not having a distinction. You get where I'm coming from? A couple things that's happened in life. Other things that hit me in the head. Yesterday, I was, there's, there's this podcast called Earn Your Leisure, right? It's two young black gentlemen or whatever, and they are really spearheading a economic, well, uh, uh, entrepreneurial renaissance, especially, especially with black professionals, right? Both of them walk, talk, probably look like me, 100 times smarter than me. They just open up the, uh, the, the uh, New York Stock Exchange, whatever. Conferences are absolutely crazy. Their podcast is absolutely insane. And the other day, they had an NBA player on their podcast, and he was talking about how he got injured when he was playing. Then he started a business, and it was a faith-based business. And the majority of his customers were white Christians. And he felt the need to hide his face the whole time he had this multi-million dollar business. Starts feeling shame, he stops hiding. Guess what? The business comes. People are literally on the phone asking, are you black? Return our stuff. It's a faith-based market, not a secular market mixed in. The product is faith-based. You get where I'm coming from? That podcast goes out to millions of people. You start to see why we have to draw the stinkers? Because when you say we're Christian, which one are you? When people act afraid of you, understand there's a reason why. Right now in Mississippi, we have politicians looking to reenact Jim Crow laws. Maybe you don't know what the Jim Crow laws are. Still my point too. As a black man with a black family, this is what I have to suffer through in my mind every day thinking about my kids' future. 
right? Politicians, all they gotta do is put a new scary monster in front of evangelicals and then we just go running. Oh, whatever, just whatever we need to do to protect ourselves, not knowing there's a hidden agenda that could be crushing your neighbor next door. Jim Crow laws. Wickedness. That's happening right now. You can't have togetherness when something like that lands on somebody in the other seat and it's nothing to the person next to them. We have to do better than that, right? I'm not saying I'm not going to do better, but we got to do something. We got to work on distinctives, on togetherness. Y'all with me so far? Yes. Our governor, I'm not looking to politicize. I'll tear up any political party you want to tear up. We're moving. We're literally, what, what's, the, what's the movie, Fahrenheit 151? What's the uh, book? 51? What's, what's, well, that's the Bible 151. We're laughing too hard, kind We're literally burning books. We're literally burning books. But it has a very moralistic agenda of what we're protecting. But I guarantee nobody in the room has encountered the monster that they're saying that we need the folks taken away from. You can get anything, make a problem, and then solve it. It's great business. Now the brother I know said he was voting a certain way because he was afraid of socialism. When we sat down and I talked to him, I asked him if he ever encountered socialism in his life with any of his neighbors, and he lived in a predominantly black community. And he said, never. I said, I'm black, and me neither. So I don't care who you vote for, but don't do it out of foolishness because somebody made a monster for you to be afraid of. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about Christian togetherness and the disdain for the name of Christ. I, I, I just want to make sure, because I don't want people's political radars going off. And, and you misunderstood what I'm saying. It's just played that way a lot of times, right? No. Y'all see me for distinction? Just, just recently, whatever, we went through the whole fight to get the name of Robert E. Lee, the school name changed, right? People, grown adults, showed up to screaming kids, all identify as Christians, throwing white supremacy signs, throwing Confederate flags to yellow kids who want the name changed in their school. 70% minority schools named out of a, after Robbie Lee, his own grandson, message stuff, messaged us and said, no institution should be named after me. Same thing happened with Forrest High School. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Does anybody know who Nathan B. Uh, Nathan uh, Bell Forrest is? Let me just read it to you. Prominent Confederate Army general during the American Civil War and the first Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan from 1867 to 1869. We had to fight to get the school name changed. Does anybody find this insane yet? Yes. But I'm just letting you know, a lot of people leading the charge on the resistance are good old Christians. See the need for distinction, right? See the need not to get drunk off of American Christianity because a lot more comes with it than you think. You understand what I mean? Let's get into this text, y'all ready? Starts off, John says, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. He's, he's about to walk them through doing distinction. Y'all ready? That process hopes in him. We have a hope in Jesus Christ. Anybody in here hit the bottom the way you just realize you can't save yourself? Then you, you, you're done. You know, you get a lot of people like, you need to look up inside and pull out the power that's hidden deep within you. And I'm like, alright, cool. Whatever you said. That doesn't work for me. I hit the bottom. 
Wasn't no power there. It was me on the ground broken going, please help. And nobody showed up for Jesus. That's why I'm preaching about him because there ain't nobody else to talk to. But when he's saying this right here, he's saying people who have a hope in him, and it says they purify themselves as he is pure. So he's actually the model that we pursue and go after. Go after. This is a lifestyle in the process. Y'all with me so far? Yes. It's a lifestyle in the process. Many of the people I just described in those stories that we're talking about, they do not live in that process. I'm not sending none of them to hell yet because I haven't really had a conversation. Remember I told you it's a due process before you do the distinction, before you do the leaving. You've got to have a combo with some people. Some people ain't got to have a combo. You know what it is right off the bat. But y'all with me so far, right? Yes. He's talking about a process of purifying ourselves. It's a lifestyle he's talking about. And in verse 4, now you can get nervous, he says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practice, practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Y'all already worked it out for I want to see you home nervous, so you got to work out. Lawlessness is rebellion against God's word. When you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you find comfort with this statement being in fact, sin is lawlessness. I'm not saying that I'm sinless. I'm saying that I'm at a conclusion that it is actually lawlessness against God. Y'all get where I'm coming from? Yeah. When somebody across the street does it, when I do it. Right? When a brother in Christ does it, sister in Christ does it, my wife does it, my kids do it, any of us do sin, it's lawlessness. Right? Nothing to be nervous about. It's 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 a it's a foundation of Christianity, right? But I always tell you about this word practice because it makes a big deal. Because people hear this message and they get frozen. They're like, oh my God. I, I, I sinned yesterday. I sinned last night. I'm thinking about my girlfriend over here. I'm sinning right now. I don't know where you're at with it. But it talks about practice of sin. Practice of sinning is a little bit different. Practice means that, well, let me give you a picture like this right here, right? Let's say you lost somebody in your stream. You don't know where you're at. Right? And you just keep perpetually getting even more loss. But let's say you see a light way far in the distance, right? And let's say you are walking towards that light, like, okay, that's 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 home. Okay, let me get to the light. And you're making your way, but you have some obstructions, right? So every now and then you might hit a tree line, you're like, I can't even find where the light is at no more. But you're looking for the light, right? You you are actually purifying yourself, right? You're heading home. We're heading towards an eternal destination. God is sanctifying us. And though we have some shortcomings and some things we struggle through, we are still heading towards the light, right? The Bible says wicked people flee from the light. That's a scripture. So it's a difference. I, yeah, I, I heard, yeah, I'm going this way. That's a different thing. I need you to understand this as, 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 Processes because it uses this word very emphatically. A practice. It's a difference. It's, it's when we grab something that is lowest, sinful before God, and we make it our practice that we live in. Right? That's what he's talking about. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, which means they are practicing the, the direct uh, action of going against God's word. Y'all with me? It's a beautiful thing, or it could be a beautiful thing, when somebody grabs that they're practicing of sin. Right? It could mean liberation. It could mean liberation. I would love if in that room I was sitting in. I brought up the, the story, and I'm not trying to arm wrestle anybody down, twist their arm, and make them believe. But I would love to have somebody going, I care about what you're saying and how you feel. Let's sit in it. Talk, talk to me about it. Because I don't expect anybody coming from a different culture to see things as I do. I think that's foolishness. But if we call, and I don't expect anybody to have to stop and listen here, but I expect Christians to. When the Bible talks about love, patience, and all these beautiful words, I expect a Christian to act like a Christian. If not, I gotta start making a distinction. It just is what it is. You get where I'm coming from? But man, it could be liberation. 
know what a beautiful point in counseling is? When you're sitting, I'm going to just use the wife and the husband, right? A wife is telling her husband, she's a jerk, and he's not trying to hear it. And he keeps on defending himself, and she is like, I can't live with you like this right here. And he's just set on defending how good he actually is. And then the counselor hits this point, and he sees himself.
tell what it is walking with God, what it is abiding with Him. This, it's important. I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm like, you're not an it. You're a human being having a human experience in life or whatever, right? And then the word of God says that God promises to sanctify you, sanctify you and bring this work into completion. So he's always doing something with you, right? And, and, and when you read this, and it's like, and these, and, these, and these words and these statements seem a bit emphatic. You have to keep reading really, really well because he's not saying that you have to be perfect because that is not in the scripture. That is not in the text if you are reading the text because he just says, in, you know what? Let me go ahead. In 1 John 1, he says this. Y'all ready? I'm talking about process. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Walking in darkness is a process, right? He says, but listen to this process. If we walk in the light, here's the benefits. As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. As we are walking, we are confessing, right? We are confessing, and he's doing this beautiful thing. He's cleaning us up all the time. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, so it's foolish for us to think the other person is saying that you can't have any sin. Because now he's saying, if we say we have not sinned, he make him a liar, and his word is not in us. He is making a distinction. The problem is not that you have sin in your life. The problem is that you have unrepented sin in your life. The problem is that you don't think sin is lawless. The problem is that you don't believe you have any reason to walk in the light and live a life of confession and need God's help to actually purify you, right? It's why in the counselor, the abuser can just stay as the abuser and, 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 and try to manipulate and do all kind of crazy stuff or whatever because they never want to be dropped into the light. But the light is where we get purified. Right? It's where we get purified. It hurts. I, I can't stand how miserably of a sinner I am. It makes no sense. What God has done for me or whatever, how beautiful and amazing my wife is to me, how, I don't get it. I have to be in the light. It's, it's the only place for me to even get some love from. Like, I don't have the love to give. She's too ungrateful and thankful, too selfish, all of these different things. The light is where God just sizzles all that stuff up and starts to do something better, more beautiful, whatever, and brings me to, like, you know, that... You need to go apologize. I don't want to apologize. That's the gospel. That's Jesus Christ bringing out an apology, bringing out repentance. Yeah. Right? That is that is a God thing or whatever, right? So he's talking about these processes of how we live. Do you live in a process of light, which doesn't mean that you're perfect, because that is not real. So here's the thing. The Bible says the spirit of God is at war with the flesh. God has put a perfect Spirit deposit inside of you in a corrupted flesh. So it's that war. So if you think you're crazy half the time, join the club. That's what it is to be a believer. Right? That's what it is to be a believer or whatever. It is these two, it is this raging monster in this machine that wants to have its way, do its thing, get what it wants, when it wants it, how it likes it, have no repercussions for it, never have to pay, never have to pay any price for it or whatever. I want it my way. Right? Whose slogan is that? Burger King? I want it my way. That's the way the flesh moves. There's no reason to be shameful about it. That's what flesh does. We lie to ourselves and we say we aren't. That's why when people come and run up on you and try to deceive you or whatever and posture something else, they always got something hidden behind their back. I'm just telling you the truth. You feel like a mess when you wake up? You're in a club of a lot of people. So he says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one keeps on sinning has, no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. He is saying they don't keep at the same place forever. They don't begin to grow and scale their sin. That they actually are walking in the light and God is undoing things. Well, it takes a very, very, very long time. I know people, whatever that you know, they have, they they, they live in utter crap.
condition. And then I'm talking about the gospel, and I see fruit in life, and like, yo, I smoked like one time this week, you know, like God is doing so much. Somebody else would just be like, you know, you're a crackhead. Like, you, you, you're doing, and I'm like, no, God is changing some things. For them, this is walking in the light and God pulling off a lifetime of addictions. I'm like, this is something. You understand? They're in the process. Not perfect. They're walking in the light. God is, come on now. There's a difference between being shackled to a sin, right? And trying to break free from it. Then being happily shackled to something. Right? It's a difference. Some people are struggling with sin. But they are trying to yank themselves free. They're trying to yank and get towards the light. And they're having a hard time. But they're going to they get those. They're going to get those. Right? May not be the way you want it to happen, but some people are actually fighting, right? They may look a mess in that fight, but they're fighting. It's a difference than living in darkness and being happy shattered, right? It's a difference. Verse 70 says, little children, let no one deceive you. He is talking about making a distinction. Do you hear that statement? Like, don't let these others play don't just be happy-go-lucky in the middle of Christian, whatever, purgatory we're in. I don't know what this weird thing is. Don't just be happy-go-lucky up there. Don't just walk around and just be like, yeah, just go to the Christian flow, whatever. We all say Jesus and, you know, God is good at all times and everything's good. And we're, yeah, we're the same. Really, yeah, he's a good person. We love the Lord, too. Oh, we're going to love him the same. We need to make some distinctions. We need to make some distinctions. This is what he's telling them to do. This is what he's telling them to do inside the scripture. I'm not taking out of context. You can go back and roll right through it or whatever. This is actually what he's telling them to do, right? To curate your walk, your life, your fellowship, right? Where you spend your time, your energy, your resources, where you, what you give your life to, right? It has to be built around a distinction. If you're going to say that you're a child of God, because don't be surprised when somebody starts questioning if you're a child of God with this absolute madness that I talked to you about when we started, right? You can't imagine how many times I've sat with people over the years in this church and they told me how good their grandparents or a family member was and then with that line told me how racist they were. I can't count how many times that's happened. Maybe they were Christian. I don't know. I'm not God to judge them. But I know I wouldn't be calling them Christian. But I'm just saying, there's no distinction anymore. And it's a problematic. Because maybe they feel good about their statement, but I've been holding my mind to flex by Do you understand where I'm coming from? I gotta sleep good at night too. So if we have to have a conversation, I have to start hiding from certain kind of Christians. You get where I'm coming from? I don't think separation is God's way. I think a responsible conversation is. But also know that I've been in a responsible conversation for years. And when the politics and games turned up, people weren't willing to have them no more, especially pastors, because they knew if they had a conversation, people in their church would leave by the droves. Just from saying the wrong word. Did you even say, we're trying to work through racial division? The seat's empty. That's not my assumption. That's white pastors I know telling me that. You understand? And I know where everybody's at when they go quiet. Because they used to always want to sit and talk about racism and everything else or whatever, right? But I realized that was just a, that was a new, you know, five thing for the Christian culture or whatever. You just co-op and use whatever we use and then disperse it, whatever. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to make a real nasty statement. Money and power is really the name of the game. Anyway, y'all do what you want to do with that. <laughs> It's disgusting. It's not godly. It's wrong. We need to make a distinction. We need to grab some of the suckers and drag them out the house. I'm just telling you. It is what it is. Um, but he says, little children, I'm going to bring this thing. I'm going to try to hurry up, y'all. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. 
the person who practices righteousness is becoming a better neighbor, a better friend, shedding pounds of simple ways off of themselves. Their love, generosity, good works, understanding, mercy, grace, patience is growing. A hatred for injustice is growing. Not because I think it and I said it, because it's actually in the Bible. And because God actually says that he destroyed Sodom and Ezekiel, he says he, he, he destroyed it because they were unconcerned, overfed, and didn't care about the poor and needy. So it's not just a social lives opinion or a political opinion, it's God's opinion. He hates when we're not mindful to others. He hates when we don't love our neighbors. He hates when we harness the whole entire field of our crops and don't leave anything for the immigrant and the poor and the widow and the orphan. He hates it. So when we start talking about sin in here, everybody probably goes to all the other stuff like, oh, smoking, oh, drinking, oh, this and that. No, he hates injustice. Yeah. Yes. He ain't taught no towns for a cigarette. Well, Crispy Newport, I'm not talking about it. Crispy Black Mountain, he ain't taught none All right? I'm just telling you, a good old cigar, I ain't, I ain't seen him do it yet, all right? Turn the water into wine, keep your letters, don't send it to me. It's in the book or whatever, right? But it's in the book, right? You have a growing hatred for injustice, a growing hatred for racism, a growing hatred for classism, a growing hatred for elitism, um, a growing hatred for systematic injustice, a hatred for unbalanced scales is growing. A hatred for corrupted, corrupted, biased media is growing. And I'm not talking about any political side of the scale. I'm talking about both of them. Disgusting. Alright? This, this swings all different directions. Right? A hatred for churches that bring this thing to the holy name of Yeshua and seem to dance with all the things I just said that those who practice righteousness to hate is wrong. Yes. That's what God is doing with us. This is not a list for you to snap into place today, but I'm just saying this is what sanctification begins to look like as he starts to open our eyes, right? We're in the store. It says, don't let nobody deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. But we can see him in the book. You just got to stop skipping over verses, right? Verse 8, he says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. It's just these emphatic statements. Like he's not playing about distinguishing what's what. I hope you hear that. That's a hard statement. He keeps on saying it over and over again. He's like, I do not want y'all to get this twisted because I do not want y'all to turn into cultural Christians. That's what he's trying to do to these people because he just had all of the people playing the games I'm talking about sitting amongst them and they had to separate them out. They're like, let me, let me, let me bring y'all back to soul, to being sober about what it is, right? When we make a practice of living a simple and rebellious life, we are at war with the Creator, with our Father, with Jesus, all that He has done on the cross, all that is, was, and to come. We're on the wrong team, right? That's what it is. This isn't meant to land on your head like, oh my God, I'm not perfect. It's to land on your head for you to make it so you can make a decision and distinguish. Are you walking towards the light or are you walking towards the darkness? Mm -hmm. and, and, and if you are walking towards the darkness, stop calling it living for Jesus. Stop calling it living for Jesus, right? Verse 9 says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Jesus, he says to Peter, he tells him that there is an imperishable seed that was put inside him. Most of us have heard the parable of the seeds falling on stony ground hard ground and all these different things, right? 
He tells Peter. Now you got to remember, Peter's an absolute mess, right? Things he's against him, right? Cutting off ears and stuff. Jesus keeps telling him what's happening. He's arguing with Jesus like, nah, I ain't going down like that, Jesus. But Jesus like, I'm like, I'm going to go die. These people are going to kill me. He's like, no, you're not. I don't know who Peter thinks he is. But nevertheless, God in his grace put an imperishable seed in him that was going to accomplish his work, right? Put an imperishable seed in him. We know that Peter wasn't perfect. He did something that he thought was the worst thing ever because he did his, his, his makeup, what he believed about himself, his piety and his righteousness that he was a ride or die soldier, bro, whatever, man, you know what I'm saying? I'm willing to die for you, you know what I mean? Whatever, Lord, I'm ready to go. It hurts when you find out you know your thoughts were. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's that Bible we're talking about. But Jesus is all that he says he is. Because he had an imperishable work, perishable seed inside of Peter that would accomplish what he's supposed to do, despite Peter's shortcomings. You understand? Though I carry so many emotions around these conversations, I still realize I have to do the responsible work of God in conversation and push people towards godliness. Because despite what I see and even when I have a disdain for it, there might be an imperishable seed up in there that God is doing something with that just needs to be fertilized with some confrontation and some distinction. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Right? There's people that came in front of me about stuff that I was blind about. I can't hear nothing they're saying. I heard it years later. And it was good that they moved on. They did their job. They told me what they need to tell me or whatever. And me and my arrogance, I'm like, I don't get you saying whatever. I think you're crazy or whatever. Later on, I found out I was the crazy And they're 100% right. But I thank God that they took the time to do that work before they decided they had to make a distinction. I ain't ready to go over there all. I don't get the things they get at. But they, they, they left something in the surmounting Love and grace God was going to keep putting inside of me to land somewhere. You get where I'm coming from? So you have to do the responsible work. Some of us have family members that you know. They're off the deep end and they swear to Christians. You need to as lovingly as you can. Think about what your fear is. Not just your emotional response of why you get angry when they talk. But, but the fear you actually, the healthy fear you harbor. And then think real hard how to articulate it with love to them. It's not your responsibility how they respond, right? You may have to make a distinction after you have the conversation on whether what the borders are with them. But don't just cut the, the legs, right? Don't just don't just sweep the leg on it. My flesh wants to sweep the leg and some more. But the God thing is different. Last part of this verse right here says, by, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice the righteousness, does not practice righteousness, is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This last statement is so significant. I'm going to say it one more time, right? I'm, I want you to catch this. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let me tell you why that statement is such a banging of the gavel, right? It's a banging of the gavel. It's because we always feel right when we are right and we can completely disconnect it from our neighbor and our brother, right? And it doesn't let you escape that. It's why we've been able to come what we, we've become. We have no proximity, right? So you, you, we can look at all of the, the different um, cultures inside of, you know, the evangelical scope and you see everything. You see the divisions, the classes, and the leaders, and you see all of these different things, right? And they have no love for their brother. What I realized when I was sitting in this room, I'm like, these guys have their whole, their whole angle on what they believe only comes from the dominant culture in America. 
it's all white authors, it's all white leaders, and the only black ones that are allowed in are ones that say exactly what all of their white leaders say. You understand where I'm coming from? That is the way it works in America. You ask any person of color, they'll tell you that if you don't know, right? They don't have any, they don't steam any of the writers that I steam. They haven't been cultured to even receive from any of the people of color that I'm talking about. Teach us what? The top of the totem pole. What you gonna tell us? That's the way the culture is set up. This isn't attack on anybody. This is American history. Right? And we're trapped in it. Get some letters off this one. We're trapped in it if we don't do some critical race theory about how it actually affects our togetherness. How can, you, how, how can you walk through this country and walk through neighborhoods that are predominantly one color and see the other, other neglect in it and then walk into flourishing communities and then just go, yeah, that's, that's normal. Oh, maybe you can write a narrative about the people that live there, right? But you're going to take out all the history that contributes to a neighborhood like Brentwood? You gonna take out accidental Saturday? We built this. We architected with hatred towards our brother, towards our neighbor. The world is the world. I'm not, it is what it is. I mean, we waiting on heaven because it sucks. It is what it is. But I have a problem with the church being okay with that. I, I, I have a problem with the church not being wise and smarter, academically sharper than that. That's despicable, right? We should hate that. And we should hate it together. All races, all colors, all creeds. Listen, when we look inside of Revelation, I'm going to shut up whatever I'm talking about. When we look inside of Revelation and it talks about all races joining together around the throne of God and worshiping. Our king, our father. What are we gonna say when we live this fake Christianity that drew all these long lines of these walls of hostility? What are we gonna say? What are we gonna act like we know? We're gonna act like we didn't see it. What, what, what are we gonna say about not making the distinction? What, what are we gonna say about not taking that, that scripture serious? That thing that God's trying to purify that ends up. Black, brown, yellow, small, tall, everybody around the throne. What are we going to say for ourselves? So that's what I'm saying. We, we, we got to make distinctions. For our churches, it, it's a year of distinctions. I, I'm just going to be playing with everybody. If you ain't catching us because you got a cross on the t shirt with some rhinestones on it, I ain't, I ain't going for it. I ain't going for it anymore. I'm just saying. God's called us to do a better thing. God's called us to do a better thing. Just a couple weeks ago, I had a guy, whatever, came to our church, um, and he uh, he goes, Jay, he goes, I can go to a church. I said, he said, I have a pastor. I said, you do? He said, yeah, I got a pastor or whatever, man. I said, sir, why are you here today? He said, I have a friend that I want to bring to church. And he said, but when I got ready to tell him to come to my church, I realized I can't bring this guy to my church. And I said, what's the problem with the guy with your church? What's the problem with the guy? He said, no, you know, black dude, got, got dreads and stuff. And he, you know, he's in his business program. He has a business he's running. He runs whatever stuff. But I just realized they wouldn't accept him. I said, bro, are you telling me you attend a church? I said, you are a business owner who's just been featured in all kinds of papers. And you are actually mentoring a guy who owns a business and you can't take him in church where you go to learn about Jesus because your church won't accept him? Do you see the reason why we need to draw some distinctions? Are y'all getting the drift? Yes. I just want to make sure everybody's just as mad about it as I am so we can just do it together. That's, that's all. It's what Jesus would have us to do. It's what he died on the cross for, for truth. 
Not to watered down bullcrap, right? He started partying with the good wine, real stuff. Not with some watered down Capri Sun juice. <laughs> Sorry, kids. It's just right? Let's pray real quick. Let's do this communion, right? Heart was heavy this morning, y'all. Thank you for allowing me to be honest and you for another sickness and letters of God to talk. God, we just praise you, Father. God, I pray this morning. Please, please do a new thing. Please do a better thing. Please do a thing where we live out a miracle, Father Lord, where people from different paths of life that don't have no business being together. Don't just show up in the room playing church games together, but actually love each other. Let us live out a miracle where we have hard conversations and have the freedom to not get it right, but we in. We're in a process. We walking, stumbling, tripping, but walking towards the light. Help us, Father, to not fall victim to our hatred, to our anger, that sometimes just feel like it's gonna burn us to pieces. I wanna play happy go lucky. I wanna love like you love. I don't wanna assume that I deserve your forgiveness. Help us to not be forgetful that you gave us some gift, that you gave us mercy, and that you gave us grace. So when we navigate these hard things, that ain't even personally offensive that time, that we just still pour out the grace that you gave us. Many people don't seem that they deserve it, but we sure, as, we sure don't deserve the blood of Jesus wiping away all our sins. For a promise we can't even fathom, an eternal promise. Help us to be bold, help us to speak with love, help us to have patience, but help us declare the truth. Help us to not be more than but help us to walk in truth. Save us from the tentacles of all these cultural games, political games, all these different ideologies, um, our, our ethnocentrism, I'm judging up the word, Lord, you know it, you know it but Father, do a better thing. I don't know all the answers. Help us love each other. Help us not just be drunk off our own piety. But measure rightness, Father Lord, by your word and by the exclamation point of loving our brother. How can we come to a conclusion of rightness as we carry carelessness for our neighbor? You told us to esteem others higher than ourselves. To love people the way that we want to be loved. We haven't taken that seriously. We're too busy posturing ourselves in rightness having our way, navigating power, control, when you've given us all things. Lord, we repent of this, Father. We repent of it, Father, Lord. I pray for the church to come to a place of repentance. I pray for people to look up, Father, Lord, and walk in the light. I pray that you do that amongst us, but, you know, around this country, but definitely inside of our church, Lord. Do a better thing, Father. And Lord, Father, as we take communion, Father, Lord, we just, we thank you. We thank you, Father, Lord. Your word says that your son, Jesus, that his blood was shed for us. His body was broken for us. And we do this not as tradition, Father, Lord. We do it because it's a moment for us to stop, search our hearts, to take in the weightiness of what has been done on our behalf. much as our pitiful selves can grasp it, because it's too glorious for us to hold, control, or completely understand, but you've given us an imperishable seed so we can taste what is to come. So Lord, give us reverence as we take communion this morning. Give us reverence as we take it.
Let us ponder this word this morning. Let us not be ashamed to walk in the light and confront ourselves and go, you know what? I need to learn how to live in the light. I need to, I need to change the process. I want to live a life of righteousness. I want to start walking towards the light instead of hiding from it. Jesus' blood has covered our sins. We don't got to hide nothing. He already knows what it is with us. And all he wants to do is build us, sanctify us. So Lord, we praise you. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you, Father Lord, that you not only love us, but that you sent Jesus to die for our sins. And God, you actually like us. Even when we wake up feeling like a mess in the morning, you like us. It's different. You like us. You know you love us, Father Lord, but you actually like us. Even with our struggles, you like us. So, Lord, let us find comfort in that, Lord. Let us find gratefulness and thankfulness that you aren't somewhere else, but you're actually with us in it. And, Lord, we just praise you and we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.